Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. When Pastor Bertram and I were discussing what we might like to accomplish with this series on marriage, sexuality, and so on, we both thought that it would be good to address what is known as LGBTQ concerns. LGBTQ stands for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer or questioning. Advocacy for LGBTQ rights has entered the mainstream. Our laws have been changed. Our laws concerning marriage have changed. Workplaces are implementing DEI, another acronym. That one stands for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. No one can afford to ignore what is going on because the stakes can be quite high. These issues have been politicized and are being implemented by force. There are some countries such as Canada and some European countries where certain ways of speaking about these issues have been criminalized. Criticism of LGBTQ lifestyles will likely be labeled as hate speech. So it is also with workplaces. Say the wrong thing and you might be fired. So it is also with our families. Say the wrong thing and you might not be invited to family functions. These issues have become so fraught with drastic consequences. Therefore, we might think that we are already addressing what is most important when we deal with laws and policies and so forth. Although being imprisoned or losing your job or being shunned are very important things, they are not the most important thing. The most important thing was what Jesus said in our Gospel reading. He said, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus is so clear. God is not scanning over the earth just looking for whom he might condemn. He wants everyone to be saved. This is similar to another of Jesus' statements in John chapter 10. He says, I came so that people might have life and have it more abundantly. We might put that into simpler, more everyday language by saying, Jesus wants everyone to be happy. Jesus' giving of happiness is more important than the temporary earthly troubles that we might experience. The salvation of just one soul is infinitely precious. So although there is much that we could talk about with this topic, I'd like to focus on what is most important. Namely, how can those who experience 
same-sex attraction or gender confusion receive Jesus' promises of salvation and abundant life? And the answer to how they may receive those things is simple. Repent and believe the gospel. That's what Jesus always preached. Repentance for our sin and faith in Jesus the Savior is the only way to eternal life. So let's begin with the first part of Jesus' statement, which is repent. To know that same-sex attraction or gender confusion is sinful is not difficult. Many people who experience these desires already know in their own hearts that they're not good. They don't even need the scriptures to tell them so. However, the scriptures are very clear about these things. You heard about that in our first two readings. In our reading from Leviticus, it says that a man should not lie with another man as a man might do with a woman. That is an abomination. Men and women should not lie with animals. That is perversion. God threatens to punish those who do these things, and he threatens to punish all who live in the land where these things are practiced. God is very clear that this behavior is unacceptable. In our second reading from Romans chapter 1, Paul identifies same-sex attraction as a symptom of a decaying society where people are being alienated from God. Our alienation from God is a matter of worshiping created things instead of the Creator. And that is really the root cause, that's the deeper thing that's behind any symptoms such as improper desires. And notice how Paul doesn't just speak about improper same-sex relationships, he describes many other symptoms of societal decay and the things that he mentions in that list are so common that we might not even notice them as being sins. He speaks against coveting, against being mean, against being proud and boastful, against being disobedient to parents, against gossiping. These sins are just as much of an indication of our alienation from God as same-sex attraction or gender confusion. And to all of this, God says, repent. The word repent is often taken to be a harsh, hate-filled word. And it may be harsh, but it is not hate-filled. Repent means change your ways. You're going the wrong way. And going the wrong way isn't good for us. Lying, being mean, burning with covetousness, indulging whatever emotion or desire might come over us, none of these things are good for us. They don't promote life, they hamper life. God would have you turn away from these things 
be forgiven in Jesus, be given abundant life. A common problem, however, not just among those who experience same-sex attraction or gender confusion, but among all sinners, is that a person doesn't want to repent. They don't want to change their ways. They've enjoyed the sins that they've been committing. They don't want anyone to tell them that they should live otherwise. This is something that is eternally decisive for each one of us. Jesus speaks to this also in our Gospel reading. He says, And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his deeds have been carried out in God. What is eternally decisive for each of us is the question of what you are going to do when the light comes. The light of God shows us what's right and wrong. It gives us a knowledge of our sin, and what are we going to do about that? One option is to ignore the light. Another option is to fight against the light as to whether it's truthful. You can reject about what it says about what's right and wrong. And this can be done with same-sex attraction. It can be done with the other stuff that we've covered in this sermon series, such as what Jesus says about divorce or about living together without being married. It can be done with the other sins as well, such as the angry person might want to continue to be angry, the gossiper might want to continue to gossip. Whenever we do this, however, we are making a decision. That decision might get to be so automatic that it's no longer even a conscious decision, but it's a decision nevertheless. We are stating our preferences. We prefer the darkness in which we can continue to live as we see fit instead of embracing the light, the righteousness and life and healing that come with Jesus Christ, his reign that he's bringing into the world. God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. The light certainly teaches us what's right and wrong, but that's not the only thing that Jesus does. The Son of God lays down his life for sinners. He suffers and dies. He's punished with the punishment that we deserve. In him and in his sacrifice is the only way that the wrongs that we commit can be made right. Now, many of you have long heard this gospel preaching and are well aware of it, I would like to emphasize how this is true for all people and for all kinds of sins. The good news of salvation in Jesus is for those who experience same-sex attraction or gender confusion. The good news of salvation is also for those who have acted 
on their desires. Jesus died to pay for the sins of those who have lived as homosexual couples, those who have lain with animals, those who have fully transitioned. Jesus has died for the sins of all. The word that Jesus has for them is the same word that he has for everyone. Repent and believe in the good news of salvation. Jesus' salvation is stronger than anyone's sins. The grace of God is so powerful and abundant that all the world's sins, if you were able to bundle them all up into one, it would be like a tiny spark falling into the midst of the ocean. The ocean has more than enough capability to cover up that spark. Jesus forgives those who repent of their sinful desires, including same-sex attraction or gender confusion. He forgives them lavishly and completely. Forgiveness and salvation are in Jesus. This is the main thing. It's only natural, however, to wonder about what life is like after hearing the word of forgiveness as we live in this world. What then? After you've heard that your sins are forgiven, what now? We know that God will bring about final healing with our death and resurrection. That is when God will finish his work of making us holy. But in the meantime, what should we do if we suffer from unwanted desires such as same-sex attraction or gender confusion? And the answer here again is not very original. It is the same as we've been saying all along. Those who experience same-sex attraction or gender confusion must fight against their sinful desires. Just as all Christians must fight against their sinful desires if they wish to remain Christian. All Christians have unwanted desires. Some are proud, some are greedy, some are unruly. Unwanted desires cannot hurt us Christians so long as we do not give ourselves over to them. Day in and day out, week in and week out, we confess our sins and receive absolution. That's the life of the baptized. Would it be easier if all our unwanted desires were taken away from us? Seemingly so. But God very often allows these desires to remain. And they keep us humble. They keep us from relying on ourselves and our own righteousness as though we can just march on up into heaven just the way that we are. They force us to live only by faith in Jesus, who is the only Savior. So our unwanted desires might not be taken away from us in this life. And that's all right. We will one day experience the truthfulness of Jesus' promise about life, abundant life. However, God might remove unwanted desires too. We shouldn't make hard and fast rules about these things. Don't demand of God signs and wonders 
That's on the one hand, and on the other, don't reject his healing if he should give it either. It might be that God makes it so that a person who at one time was afflicted by these desires can marry and have a family of his or her own. And if that happens, thank God. But even with this happy outcome, it's not the main thing. The main thing is continuing to believe in the Son of God. In summary and in conclusion, Christians who experience same-sex attraction or gender confusion are not different from their fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. The way to live as Christians is the same for one and for all. We all must continually repent and believe in Jesus. The way that unwanted sinful desires are handled isn't different either. May God have mercy and take these sinful desires away from all of us in this life. But God very likely will allow many of them to remain. As Paul says, it is only through many troubles that we may enter into the kingdom of heaven. They keep us humble. They keep us hungry for that new heavens and that new earth where our abundant life will begin in earnest. The politicization that has occurred regarding LGBTQ rights is unlikely to go away. However difficult or frightening various changes might be, they remain earthly and temporary. We have something much greater the good news of Jesus's light and life. The Son of God came not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Jesus, Jesus came so that we may have life and have it more abundantly. Hope in him. Please stand. The peace of God that transcends all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.